Does your teenager struggle going from point A to point B without wearing headphones? Do things that used to excite your teen no longer even interest him? Does it seem that your teen's level of entertainment and excitement constantly needs to be amped up to keep peace in your home? We'll talk about this and more with our special guest, Dr. Archibald Hart. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and uh, welcome to another edition of Licensed to Parent. My name is Trey Sembry. Alongside me is the man who manages my attention deficit disorder and my anhedonia, Walt Reed. Walt, welcome back. <laughs> it's nice to be back. How was your vacation? Great. Enjoyed it. Good. Well, listen, we're going to be uh, interviewing a man who actually gets it. Uh, well, how often do we uh, talk about the subject of anhedonia and its implications for family, church, and our culture, only to have people stare at us like wood carvings? All the time. Yep. Well, today we're going to be discussing the subject of anhedonia with a man uh, who is an expert in the field. Dr. Archibald Hart has written an entire book on the subject of anhedonia, and uh, though uh, his most recent book is on the subject of sleep, entitled Sleep, It Does a Family Good, today I want to discuss the topic of his previous book, Thrilled to Death, which speaks to the dangers of multitasking and our nation's preoccupation with pleasure. His new book, Sleep, It Does a Family Good, looks like a great parlay in today's topic, so per perhaps if he's willing, uh, we could have Dr. Hart back to follow up on the conversation that we'll be having today. Uh, but first, I want to remind our listening audience that Licensed to Parent is an outreach ministry of Shepherds Hill Farm. Shepherds Hill Farm is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, undoubtedly a politically incorrect residential program and fully accredited school for uh, uh, teens struggling to navigate the, uh, po the postmodern relativistic Sodom and Gomorrah culture we live in today serving kids 13 to 17. We're located in Martin, Georgia. Uh, Shepherd's Hill Farm serves teens and families from all across the country and around the world. Uh, it's a discipleship training ground. It's a proving ground for the, for the idea that when you stimulate a kid with the love and the truth and the wisdom, nurture, discipline, and spirit of God uh, through Jesus Christ in an authoritative community environment, good things result. It's what the Bible calls the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Shepherd's Hill Farm is an 18th century living situation where, where kids live for one full year with caring and loving counselors in the communities that they've carved out in the woods. It's, a ch it's also a chance for uh, our kids uh, to take another swing at childhood, all while preparing them for adulthood, giving them a, uh, another chance to see the, uh, that, that life has much more to offer than just sex, drugs, rock and roll, redirecting their appetites to enjoy the one million and one things that God has given uh, young men and young women to uh, enjoy life with. In the woods, the kids at Shepherd's Hill Farm have no access to electronics and all the techno gadgets that seem to be tools used to destroy our society's ability to think today. Uh, at Shepherd's Hill Farm, we aren't just teaching kids what to think, but we're teaching them how to think. And not only do uh, the kids at Shepherd's Hill receive an intense discipleship experience, they also receive a, a great deal of Christian apologetic training, preparing them to be change agents to the culture rather than just more microcosms of the culture. Life in the Woods at Shepherd's Hill relieves kids of so many of the negative cultural influences long enough for them to recover those critical, constructive, and creative thinking capacities in their brains so that the work that God does in their hearts becomes manifest through their lives. It's a chance for kids to heal from their anodonic states and to become godly and productive citizens. That's good, Trace. That's what we are, and that's what we're all about. Uh, Trace, uh, you've used the term anhedonia and anhedonic a couple of times already. Uh, both you and I and uh, people at the farm use these terms at Shepherd's Hill all the time, and especially here on License to Parent. 
Um, but there are some people listening to this broadcast who have never heard of anhedonia and how and how it might be affecting their kids. Yeah, I'm amazed at how many doctors and mental health care workers are unfamiliar with the term. That's true. Uh, I'm sure Dr. Hart will help us get more familiar with the term over the next half hour. But before you introduce Dr. Hart, I want to just allow me uh, just a minute here to give our listeners our website real quick. Uh, we will not be taking calls today in the studio because there's so much we want to discuss with Dr. Hart about this subject. But if you have questions or comments, about today's subject, you can email Trace at trace at licensedparent.org. That is spelled T R A C E at licensed, the number two, the word parent.org. And you can also check out our new website. We have a brand new website out there with it's, it's just friendly. You can use it. It's friendly use, I guess, what Josh told me to say. But uh, you can type in helpmytroubledteen.org. And if you want to listen to the radio program again or any other thing that we've, that we've done on this, you can just kind of scroll down to the left and you'll see a microphone and a and a little uh thing that says licensed to parent click on that button and you can call up any other show that we've done trace okay well dr hart is a clinical psychologist and senior professor of psychology uh and dean emeritus of the graduate school of psychology at fuller theological seminary in pasadena california he's a world-renowned speaker and author of uh, 25 books including his latest sleep it does a family good dr hart if you're there welcome to licensed to parent I certainly am here, Trace. Good to be with you. Well, God, great to hear about Shepherd's Hill, too. Well, God bless you for that. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Hart, thank you for writing the book, Thrilled to Death. Uh, <laughs> you, you've affirmed so much of what we observe uh, every day at Shepherd's Hill Farm. Um, yes. I, I, I hope I'm not throwing you uh, too much of a curveball by backing up a square and discussing the topic of uh, Thrilled to Death. Uh, uh, which, by the way, folks, if you get a co- go out and get a copy of Thrilled to Death. It's, it, it'll open your eyes to a lot of things. It's just that I feel that the subject of Anandonia and the implications that it has for our culture, the future of the church, and, and uh, the mental, physical, and spiritual well-being of teens in general today are far too important to overlook. Now, you state in your book, uh, Thrilled to Death, that uh, we have taken the, the pursuit of pleasure too far, and in so doing, we have lost our ability to experience the very pleasure we're pursuing. Uh, does, yes. this, does this describe anhedonia? Can you elaborate uh, that, on that? Uh, that is pretty much. It's anhedonia. The word hedon, hedonism, pleasure, A-N in front of it means no, no pleasure. Can't enjoy anything. Everything is, you know, just not uh, exciting enough or pleasing enough mm-hmm. and and it is epidemic we we are seeing in the clinical world a dramatic increase in the the phenomenon of anhedonia the inability to experience pleasure people are walking around in the streets and our teens particularly are experiencing great difficulty in getting real pleasure real joy out of the simple things of life yeah, and, and we, we see it all the time. Uh, is, is lethargy, apathy, boredom, anger, depression? Those are all uh, equivalents, uh, equivalent words, synonyms mm-hmm. for anhedonia. Uh, you are, uh, you know, the most common expression we hear today from kids, and I, I, I often in a seminar will, will, will ask parents there, uh, t- tell me what, what, what phrase does your teenager use the most? Mm-hmm. And they raise their hand, I'm bored, I'm Absolutely. bored, I'm bored. Absolutely. And, and it's that boredom. Uh, which uh, could mean a number of things. It could uh, could go as far as to mean I, I'm depressed, but that 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 need to be stimulated to get out of that boredom state. Uh, uh, teenagers today 
just don't get it. They, but they don't. They're not able to tolerate it even. Right. You would say that uh, many of the techno gadgets, cell phones, video games, computers, iPods, and the like, uh, and and the multitasking that often goes along with them is mm-hmm. a, is a contributing factor to the anodonic condition uh, in people today. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, if it's got a computer chip in it, <laughs> it, it, it'll, it'll do away with your pleasure sure. you know, in, the, in the long term. Now, let me just hasten to add, I, I'm, I'm a, a tech a techie myself. I, I, I design and build my own computers oh, and wow. instruments. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a gadget man. Mm-hmm. And so it, I'm not speaking at it from a technophobic perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I love this stuff. Sure. But I also know that if I don't set limits, if I don't set boundaries, I'm, I'm in trouble. Yeah, my dog likes antifreeze too, but if he drinks it, he'll <laughs> yeah. kill him. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's a matter of discipline. And, and this is where parents must step up to the plate sure. and exercise some control. Amen. The, the, the multitasking phenomenon you just mentioned, uh, this, this is a really, really important issue because multitasking is the uh, status symbol, the badge people wear. You know, oh, sure. I'm a multitasker. I can do a, a dozen things at once. I, I can tell you this. Every single scientist I know who has looked at multitasking has come up with the conclusion that it it reduces your performance by 30% at least. Oh, I, I don't doubt perhaps, that a bit. Perhaps even more. And there are some fascinating studies that have been done at Harvard University, at Yale University, at the biggest, uh, you know, the, 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 the most <laughs> uh, competent multitaskers in all of the world, you know, the brightest and the bestest. And they perform 30 to 40% less uh, than uh, if they just concentrate on doing one thing at a time. Yeah, this is just not your theory. This is just science to back this up. Uh, now, I, I would say that uh, uh, abusing ourselves with these gadgets is is also bringing destruction to our ability to think critically, constructively, and creatively. Oh, yeah. Would you agree with this? Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I take it even one step further. A, a recent study, in fact, there's several books that have come out recently in the secular world, but uh, secular scientists are now saying things like, we're losing our ability to contemplate, mm-hmm. to reflect. That's now, exactly that right. says to me that we're also losing our ability, our capacity to meditate, to, 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 to be quiet before God, to, to yes. receive from God. We've got to be, we've got to be doing all the talking and, and, and making all the noise. And the idea of stillness and quietness, this is intolerable in, in today's generation. Yeah, and there's implications uh, with all that, and I want to get into that here just a little bit. But you say in your book, Thrilled to Death, that 80% of Americans suffer from anhedonia from one degree or another. I, yes. I would say, unless you're Amish, that in the teen population, it's virtually 100%. Uh, I think so. Uh, no, no doubt about it. I, I've yet to meet a teen who isn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I taught a, a graduate class uh, just last uh, last few weeks at our graduate school. Uh, these are, you know, future clinical psychologists, and every student in the class, when I said, if you're anhedonic, raise your hand. Everyone raised their hand. Oh, sure. 100 percent. Mm-hmm. They, they know exactly what it means. Sure. Well, when I, I bumped into you in the foyer at Op- Opryland Hotel, we, we both agreed that, that nobody seems to get this whole anhedonia thing. Uh, wh- why aren't more people, especially well, doctors, aware of this condition? Yes, yeah, you know, well, first of all, the business world doesn't want to hear it. The business mm-hmm. world doesn't... Uh, 
doesn't want business world wants you to be multitaskers because they uh, they have bought into the myth that that when you multitask you perform more which uh, you know it, it'll take years before they wake up to the fact that that's not true <clears throat> um, but, but you see the 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 other reason why uh, I, I think some professionals like doctors and so on don't want to own up to it because they themselves are probably sure. hooked and, and you must remember that eventually what anhedonia does it creates an addictive process and many many are beyond just being anhedonic the anhedonia has in order to get some pleasure they have opened the door on some sort of addictive behavior mm-hmm. if not substance well, that they now depend on I hope our listening audience has heard what we're talking about as far as the percentages of people who suffer from this from one degree or another. It's it's 80 uh, to maybe a 100% if you're an American. Depending on the age, yes. Yeah. Uh, is, is someone labeled anhedonia disease yet in the mental health field? No, 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 it, it's not. You see, we've been hamstrung in the mental health field by what is called the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. And the present version 4 is now what eight or ten years old, they are working on a new version. The new DSM-5 will be out in about two years. And hopefully by then uh, uh, we'll have this uh, phenomenon more identified. We do know in the mental health field that there there is a growing opinion in, in professionals that there is a distinctive type of depression where the only symptom is anhedonia, mm-hmm. the lack of blood pressure. That's the only symptom. Well, are, this, are, are the symptoms of anhedonia known by a different term in other circles? Because I, I can't uh, seem to, to run into anyone who's heard no. the term. No, no, the, the, no, pretty, pretty much not. It, 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 in the, the current DSM, uh, it, anhedonia only, is only a symptom in only depression and schizophrenia, mm-hmm. which are serious mental disorders. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can be anhedonic and not have a serious mental disorder, that's new, you see, that ordinary right. people messing with their pleasure system. And, and we must understand the reason, the, the phenomenon of anhedonia comes about because the brain has a center for pleasure. It's called the locus accumbens. It's the pleasure center of the brain. Mm-hmm. And we know the neurology of that, that if, if you bombard that center with too much excitement, too much pleasure, too much stimulation, going at it all the time, multitasking. You bombard that center. Uh, you you call you, you call something called dopamine flooding. In, in other words, uh, the message can't get there anymore unless it's a really big thing like a drug or or an addictive behavior. And it's it's the it's the way we are created. We are messing with the brain, mm-hmm. and and that is what is causing it. And and uh, you're right. Uh, uh, a whole professional world still has to wake up up to this reality. Yeah, so what we know about anhedonia, uh, med school didn't teach. Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, not, 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 not yet. Not, well, not yet. I'm <laughs> doing, I want you to know that I'm doing everything I can to get uh, uh, thrilled Wait, to well, death. You know, Trace, I'm, I'm impressed with how knowledgeable you are in this area. Well, I, I, I deal with these kids 24-7. I see well, it see, in real time. I, I see it get undone. You yes, I, you see, I think this is the point. I mean, I've done lots of radio interviews and seminars, and most uh, professionals are... It's it's new to them, but you you're you're a step ahead, brother. So I just want to compliment <laughs> you for that. Oh, well, thank you. But how often is diagnosed? Uh, I'm sorry. How often is anhedonia misdiagnosed for for depression by by doctors? 
Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they might call it uh, depression and put you on an antidepressant, which mm-hmm. is the last thing you should do. they should do, you follow. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, that's my point. Can medications for depression complicate the problems for an antidotic that's right. kid? They, 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 they make it worse. There is no medication for anhedonia. It, it's lifestyle change. You've got to reduce the stimulation level. And that's, exa- uh, that's exactly what's going on at Shepherd's Hill Farm. We see it in real time. Y- yes. You, you, you're on the right track there. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, a, a well-known radio uh, talk show guy, Dennis Prager. I, I am. Well, you, you know, he, he has come out, he's a sociologist, but he has come out very, very strongly on, on, uh, on, the, on the whole phenomenon. And uh, he says that, he says, excitement is our most dangerous drug. Oh, sure. Both adults and children. Yeah. And uh, they come to rely on excitement to keep them happy. Yep. And all this excitement is inhibiting our children's ability to enjoy life and be happy. Um, so, uh, you know, there's this growing, it, 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 it's, it's growing, but it's taking a very yeah. long, long time. I think any new concept r- really does. But, you know, uh, though not too many people are really familiar with this term, anhedonia, the symptoms are observed by almost everyone you oh, talk yeah, to. Oh, they, yeah, they know exactly what, sure. you, what, what, you, what you, you mean, you know. Yeah, we've all uh, gone out to eat and seen a family sitting in a restaurant where, where there's three kids, you know, sitting there, one's on an iPhone, cell phone, Game Boys, the mom's doing, right. uh, you know, text messaging someone, dad's no. doing business over the phone. You know, uh, no interpersonal relationship thing no, going no. on. No, and, uh, our kids are not learning how to socially interact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no. My question is, why should this disturb me? I mean, should this disturb me when I oh, see yes. this? I, I, you know, if you if you care about uh, God's people, and, and you know, Trace, it goes further than that. Uh, one of the biggest culprits is our own Christian uh, subculture. Well, I was going to get into that. Well, <laughs> I do want to get into that because I think the church right. is actually perpetuating some of this stuff. All right. Stuff. We'll hold on that until you get to it. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we may have to have you back for about 10 more programs because I'm telling you what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loaded with some of this stuff here. Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, it seems to be a social crisis that's now socially acceptable. Uh, you know, how do, how do, how do uh, thinking moms and dads avoid turning their kids into entertainment junkies when the entire culture yeah. now seems to accept it as part of, uh, part of life? Yes, you know, we're not educating parents. We're not getting the message out. Pastors themselves, many of them, you know the most common expression I hear from a pastor? You know, I don't even experience pleasure in God anymore. I mean, that's oh, how bad it's got in my life. Uh, and uh, they are not, uh, we are not educating our parents. Our teachers are not being mm-hmm. educated. That's true. Our college professors are not being educated. Um, well, let me it, give you a breath, it, breath of fresh air. We are educating the, the, the families that come through Shepherd's Hill. I, I, want to well, I, you I, I would say with one exception. <laughs> yeah. But I might add, uh, with only one exception that I know of. I mean, that's, you know, that's how, how serious it is. Mm-hmm. Well, by, you know, by virtue of my position at Shepherd Hill Farm, I, I see overwhelming evidence for the validity of, of what you write about in your book, mm-hmm. Will to Death, uh, you know, concerning this topic of anhedonia, its diagnosis, its causes, and its cures. Uh, I believe that retraining a kid's appetites for more wholesome and productive uh, activities is vital. Uh, mm-hmm. I've noticed that when you engage a kid in more critical, constructive, and creative thinking activities, preferably using his hands, feet, and back, like chores or building projects, that his appetites and attitudes begin to change. He feels mm-hmm. better about himself. Himself. He gets mm-hmm. some identity by being part of a team, and the anhedonic symptoms subside. Would you agree with this, or am I just oh, imagining absolute, all this? Absolutely, 100%. I, I, w- I couldn't disagree with any of that. Uh, and and it's, it, it is where the future will lie. I, I mean, if we don't wake up to this, I, I, I pity where our 
uh, future generations are going to go. Well, that, that's, that's my, uh, my point, and, and parents have got to get on board with this. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think that one of the problems is parents don't feel like they can really make Junior engage in some kind of no, uh, activity. No. The, the, a lot of public pr- uh, pressures, political correctness, and even laws uh, prohibit, right. prohibit them to right. do so. Exactly. But, you know, I, I, I think, Trace, we need to set up a, 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 a sort of a, 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 a process where we go right across the country, you know, <laughs> offering seminars and churches. I'm with you, brother. I mean, I am with you. Sign me up. I'm ready to do it. Because we we are a a proving ground for what you're talking about is absolutely true. We see it. You can talk to Mm -hmm. our parents. Um, I I mentioned earlier that Anadonia has implications for the church in America. uh, Yeah. You know, and perhaps you've already thought about this. Probably have. I'm sure you have. Uh, but, But this is what I've concluded. How can an Anadonic generation adequately perpetuate a biblical worldview in a church, uh, because uh, in the church, rather, because Bible reading and certainly Bible study and prayer become exercises in mental brutality for uh, for so many who suffer from this condition. So, so with this in mind, how can a healthy church body with a strong biblical worldview possibly be adequately perpetuated in America today? That's right. It, 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 it works against our spiritual life. It works, you know, it's almost, I, I would even go so far as say it's almost like it's satanic in its uh, subtleness and, and ability to, to, to creep up on us like it, it has. Almost every model of church growth that I know about today uh, works on the principle of providing more excitement not less. That's exactly right. Getting more involved. I, I think we've come to worship adrenaline. Uh, uh, as the experience, and as uh, and as a consequence of, we, we're missing out on God. We're 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 just not making that connection. Yeah, I think I believe and, that. You know, I I I I'm at a seminary. We've got you know five thousand students, and I tell you, uh, we never talk about anidonia amongst the, those students uh, in in terms of how subtle it can be. Uh, uh, how because you're doing it for Jesus, you think it's okay? <laughs> Well, Chuck Swindoll recently uh, spoke, I heard him uh, do a, a sermon on uh, the biblical, well, it wasn't on the topic, but he brought it up in the course of the conversation, the biblical illiteracy of today's new Bible college recruits. Yes. Uh, yes. He says these, some of these guys are coming in, they're going to be someone's pastor someday, and they come in not knowing the Saul of the Old Testament from the Saul no. of the New Testament. And, and they've, had no, they've not had any opportunity to reflect on some of it. Right. Because, you know, the scripture is not something you just read to know. It's something you reflect on, something you contemplate uh, over. Sure. Uh, because it has, uh, you know, implications for your life. And unless you can stop, slow down, mm-hmm. and, 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 and contemplate, uh, you're just not going to get the message. So you've noticed this at Fuller, too, then? Oh, absolutely. It, 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 it's, it's rampant. I, I teach... Uh, in our doctor ministry program as well, and it's a course for pastors called Ministers Personal Growth, and uh, it, it it transforms their life because basically, at the root of a lot of what I do, it, it revolves around this issue. They have to rediscover, um, you know, the, the the what real joy is, what real peace is, because you see, it's not only the pleasure system that we're messing with; it's the tranquility system as well. Mm-hmm. The Peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Nobody I know understands what that peace really is about. That's that's true. But you know, like at Shepherd's Hill Farm, these kids live out in the woods. They have time and, and uh, oh, opportunity to do that. Absolutely, yeah. That's what that's what's healing the kids. But we we're seeing kids now as time goes on arrive.
driving at Shepherd's Hill devoid of a conscience. I mean, a- addicted to video games. Kids that, yes, yeah. They, right. they, they, they drop out of school, uh, the whole nine yards. They can't, do, they can't do homework without music blaring in the background. No, that's, without multitasking, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it, what, for the listening audience, one indication of, of this is just try to get your order right at McDonald's. Just just try to get the right change back. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, that's pretty indicative. But, you know, where is the line of demarcation between balance and abuse uh, when it comes to uh, these techno gadgets? Well, you, you know, uh, the, uh, what you have to develop, and you know what, I, I'm not against uh, getting some pleasure uh, out of your computer or some computer games and stuff like that. But it, it, uh, the, the problem is we're all on a high plateau. We should go back to where we have high mountains and deep valleys. And mm-hmm. if you have enough deep valleys in your life, a time, you know, in other words, downtime, a time when you leave the system and allow it to rest. And that is the, is the correct way to go. We don't want to go all the way down. I don't want to be a hermit on an island where there is, you know, not even another person to talk to. That's, too, that's going to the other extreme. Mm-hmm. God didn't design us for that. It's this balance between the stimulation of our pleasure system and then giving it adequate time for recovery. Sure. And that balance, every high mountain needs to have a comparable deep valley. Mm-hmm. And and that uh, creates the, uh, you know, you, you use the system that God has given you for pleasure and then you give it its time for rest. And that's the model. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you say to um, to parents who say, uh, you know, what's all the fuss about? My kid's in his room multitasking on techno gadgets. <laughs> At least I know where he is, and he's not exactly. doing, he's not doing drugs. I mean, go to your room used to mean you were in trouble. Right. Now it means go yeah. to your own private video arcade. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, parents are also because they're overstressed, overstretched. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're only too happy to have their kids. Uh, Preoccupied with something. Yeah, with a corrupt babysitter. That's exactly uh, what they're that's doing. That's correct. And mm-hmm. uh, what? But but again, I think I think the challenge here for us, Trace, is uh, is an educational program. We have to de- develop educational programs where we take the message out to parents that uh, you, you've got to step up to the plate, Dad. Get off that computer yourself. Say to your kids, "Come on, let's go out in in the field. Let's go and play. Let's go play ball. Let's go. Let's go kick a ball around." Um, we, we we need social contact to increase between parents and children, mm-hmm. and we need to get them out into more natural behaviors. And you know what? That is more pleasurable, but in the right way. And that's an interesting thing. There are two different types of pleasure. That's exactly There's a pleasure right. that is constructive and peaceful and uh, and, and, and you moral. get that when, <laughs> when you're playing with your dad and you're getting, you know, you're getting that deep contact with him. That's a pleasure that will last you for a lifetime. That's exactly right. You know, I, I've heard Robbie Zacharias say that human, humans uh, become weary of pleasure before we become weary of pain, because with pain, at least you've got something to look forward to, which is the relief of the pain. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, with pleasure, when you've just accomplished what you thought would bring you the ultimate, it's let you down. Where do you go from there? You go exactly. crazy. And now we got kids yeah. cutting on themselves and, you know, That's right. the whole nine yards. But as far as, you know, getting back to the church thing, uh, has the church been very effective in making the body of Christ aware of the, of, of the effects of getting our entertainment practice uh, out of know, balance? I, I have a sprinkling of pastors around the world who have taken my course. Mm-hmm. 
who have gone back and literally implemented strategies to counteract this. I've got a, I've got a pastor, a big church in Johannesburg, South Africa. I have several pastors in Australia, <clears throat> some in, in, in Switzerland and Europe. Uh, you know, I have a sprinkling uh, of, of pastors, but outside that group, I don't know of a single seminary or pastor's group or denomination who are giving any attention to this matter. Well, we've, we've got to do something to, to uh, bring some attention to this matter, because, uh, you know, uh, new teenage converts to Christianity, Christianity stay in church 8 to 11 weeks before they move on to explore something bitter, big, bigger, better, and, and more real. That's a, that's a big problem. That, that's uh, a big problem. I think we've blurred the line between entertainment and worship also. Now, we only have, how much longer do we have here, Jim? We've got a minute left. Okay, a minute left, Dr. Hart. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, you've been interviewed by a number of well-known, incredible fa uh, family and child development professionals who, who have ministries in the media, guys like James Dobson and the like. Yeah, right. uh, I'd be curious to know, and you may, you may have already answered this, if you find that these folks are as concerned about the implications of anhedonia in our society and the church as we are at Shepherd's Hill Farm and you are and here at Licensed to Parent. Or are we just overreacting? Uh, no, no, they, they, they are concerned. Uh, they are concerned, but they, they, they feel more helpless. They don't have the background like you obviously are demonstrating or that I have. They don't understand the neurology of it. They don't, they don't fully grasp the, the seriousness of it. And I, I tell you, uh, we, we, we as, a, as a Christian community, need a wake-up call. We certainly do. Uh, and I'm, I appreciate, Trace, the, the, the depth of understanding that you, you're reflecting here. Well, God bless you. We're out of time. www.heartinstitute.com. Right. Dr. Hart, God bless you. Have a great day.